just disturbing. I don't think I've ever seen a 30 total. No, I, I can tell you now, uh, you have you haven't. Okay. Well, the last time there was a 30 was two. Are we live? Okay, it was thir- 20, 2007, I think. But, but that was also an insane weather game. Yep. This isn't a weather game. <laughs> Just two dog shit football teams. Yep. And the last time there was a lower total than this, 1993. I was six. Same. Yeah. So and Ooh, go us. Yeah, exactly. And I wasn't like heavy into betting in 2007. It wasn't legal here. I was, you know, Ben was Ben would probably remember the two the 1993 total. Well, yeah, he was probably betting on it. That's what I'm saying. I'm pretty <laughs> sure he was betting horses at eight. So yeah. he's a rare breed. But anyway, happy to have you guys with us. It is the stochastic.com ownership strategy show, week 14. I'm happy to be back with my friend Eric Lindquist at Eric Lindquist on Twitter. I'm at Lafayette underscore D. Jojo said a bit late today, more than normal. Yeah, uh, I I have to record, a, I have to do a betting video for Odd Shopper for this, for the Thursday night game, right after I finish the showdown strategy show. And I have to make the run sheet for this one in between that. And then Eric had some issues with getting in the Zoom. And, and really, Josh and Adam just wouldn't shut the hell up after that. That's show. really what it was, if we're being honest. Yeah, we got into a fun conversation about NBA Top Shot and they're deriding me. Fun? I don't know about fun. It was it was scarring again. It's PTSD, man. Like those yeah. are those were fun times, and they were the best of times, worst of times. Yeah. Tale of two cities of the NFT market. Look, it doesn't always work out for me, but it worked out for me with Top Shot, man. And it's I'm back, baby. I'm back. I ended up up a little bit because of one good pull on a Tyrese Halliburton back in the day. Like the rookie, I can't remember what edition or set it was, but it was the it was like a really good Tyrese Halliburton that got me back to even. Nice. Yeah, man. Hey, do what you want. Don't matter to me. We're talking football. Week 14. 11 game slate. Weird one. We got some uh some some weather too. Definitely keep an eye on some of this weather. I, I can't mm-hmm. wait to get your thoughts on <clears throat> excuse me, some of these weather games where it looks like ownership is actually depressed as a result. Uh, The Chicago-Detroit game is now not looking as bad weather-wise as it did yesterday and the day before on Tuesday when Ben and I did the show. Cleveland-Jags, I mean, I don't know how much that matters. Uh, Some of these other weather games are in domes, but I'm not sure if you've seen a lot of these spots, a lot of rain and a lot of wind. Baltimore, L.A. Rams, New York Jets, Houston Texans. Um, Yeah, there's like legitimately some, some weather games that we should at least have on the radar. But I believe it's already reflected in the totals and in the quarterbacks. It's disturbing. I mean, the the one that I kind of starlight high, uh, I mean, I was looking at yesterday that I think is going to affect everybody the most is looking at CJ Stroud, who's been awesome. He loses Tank Dell, and now you've got Nico going up against Sauce Gardner, which you try not to go too heavy into cornerback matchups in the year of our Lord 2023 when you're playing NFL DFS. But like, there's definitely something there when you're talking about this weather there where you're 25 gusts, uh, winds, wind gusts up to 25 miles per hour. And knowing that that's really how they're going to function and move the football. I mean, they're 32 and a half total. That's not far away from what we were just making fun of. And it's actually got a good offense in it here in Houston. So that just kind of tells you what we should be expecting in that spot. Obviously you lose the, the Nakua cup perhaps like when you're talking about 
wanting to get to the Rams Baltimore type spot, or I mean, it's just, there's some ugly spots here for people who are playing year long and people for DFS purposes. I think you're going to see insane suppressed ownership in some of those spots. I agree. Let's go in. Let's get into it. Here's how we do it. We look at the past Millie, Millie maker winner and the spy winner. It's my favorite kind. It's a, it's a great contest. So we, I like to look at one single entry, hundred K up top. Uh, and then we discuss ownership, not just, not just for the sake of it, but for, to, to take a look at the chalk, identify where some of the, the lower owned potential leverage spots are off of some of the chalky guys. We'll go running back wide receivers, tight ends, and then tie it all together with quarterbacks with our top stack. And I figured Eric, at the end of this show, we can have a little fun and kind of just throw together a quick lineup, go back and forth here. It's still Thursday, but uh, throw together a quick lineup after we close out uh, all the positions. Love it, man. Millie maker winner. How about this? First of all, the Millie Maker and the Spy were single stack Brock Purdy Debo. Okay. So not a surprise. But I think this will interest you. Maybe you've looked at it already. If you haven't, the audience, many of them haven't. Mm-hmm. Brock Purdy at 21%, Derrick Henry 8%, Zach Moss 65%. So there's a seven, right? Debo Samuel, huge game. Mike Evans, phenom- he's having a huge season and no one talks about it. Five Best season of his career. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mike Evans, 5%. Nico Collins, 9%. You know, so Samuel smash, Evans smash, Collins smash, Purdy smash, Henry pretty good himself. Sam Laporta smash at 7%. But then Greg Dorch had like three fantasy points, 10%. And then Patriots had seven. So he had a seven from his defense. He had a seven from Zach Moss and a 2.9, I think it was, from Greg Dorch at 10% and still took down the Millie. How many times this season have we seen guys win the Millie, win these, you know, larger field single entry contests too, where they've got like two outright duds, but then five guys that go absolutely nuclear, nuclear. Yeah. And it's always like, it always seems like it's the wide receiver position. It always seems like there's this volatility where if you didn't, you, if you didn't play like a, a Hill or some of these top end guys. I know Keenan Allen was somebody at nine K. A lot of people were pivoting to that game had all of six points in it, but um, it was, it was one of those slates where you needed the Debo piece. And he was my second highest owned wide receiver. And then I had a ton of Alec Pierce at 0.3%, but like it, it speaks to it. Like you get one really nice piece where Alec Pierce goes up for over 22 fantasy points, talked about him at length on this show as a pivot off of downs off of Pittman at, insanely low ownership but you need everything else to get correct too like i didn't even finish in the top thousand in the millie because of just how volatile that wide receiver position can be and if you get those 99 percent outcomes on three guys it makes up for the you know the 15 in the projection that you would get for one wide receiver and the 18 like guys could hit their projections and it just doesn't matter you have to be looking at some of these ceiling projections and understand that like there are so many paths to being successful, even with Zach Moss. And I think that's kind of what the Sims tool was speaking to everybody. If you were using the Sims tool last week, you got 100% Zach Moss. That's just kind of the way that things worked out. I took it down a little bit, try not to have the full 100, but it just speaks to how there are so many other parts of DFS rather than just the one chalk piece that everybody wanted to talk about, everybody wanted to focus on. You get those other three wide receiver pieces correct and just slam at lower ownership, I mean, Debo was popular, but Mike Evans surely wasn't. Uh, there are so many opportunities to win money in NFL DFS. The truth is, Zach Moss didn't really matter as much as people think he did. 
Not yep. I'm saying the Zach Moss seven and a half. Well, there was nobody in his range. That's, that's the what other I mean. thing. Like well, there's also, nobody in his range. But, but the guy that we got guys that were say Jalen Warren pivot, he didn't do anything. So yep. any of those guys that were in his range also failed. Yep. You know, it was this lineup that got Zach Moss, but he smashed Collins, Laporta, Debo, Mike Evans, Brock Purdy. That alone, and Derrick Henry, that alone won it. It didn't matter. Now, I'm not saying you wanted to have Zach Moss at that rate, but at the same time, $4,600 running back allowed him to go with some pretty expensive players, expensive tight end, and win the Millie. So, yeah, it's just the way it is. You want to hear the spy lineup? I do. All right, so ownership's going to look different, of course, in a, in, a, in a contest like this. Brock Purdy was 27%. Kyron Williams, 10%. Man, how consistent is he when he's healthy? He's fantastic. Rashad White, 36%. Devontae Parker, 5%. I talked about him a lot on the deeper dive. I said, you know, you were talking about Alec Pierce. Parker came nowhere close to Alec Pierce. But I said, like, if Parker gives you six for for 50, you know, four for 60, it might be enough at basically minimum (laughs) salary. And and it it was. was. Of course, you'd rather have Alec Pierce, but this guy didn't even need that. 5% 5% Parker got 10 or 11 or whatever it was. George Pickens at 5%. Michael Pittman Jr. at 7. Laporta at 4. Debo at 26. Falcons at 16. So he had, like, all of his wide receivers were pretty much low-owned outside of Debo. And he had a 4% Sam Laporta. Laporta was clearly uh, a, a key piece of Week 13. Yeah, I had a slight, slight profit on the slate. But, like, it was just nice to not see the chalk completely, completely decimate the slate didn't really matter he you he, he didn't have moss in that lineup right is that what i heard no he didn't he didn't have yeah. moss but yeah. second third fourth fifth sixth second through tenth is as far as i looked in that contest all had moss yeah but you get that build the access to some of these super ceilings at the top end i mean i think this is the thing we might take away from this at the end of the season is there are these wide receivers that get priced up above 7k and it's like you you just kind of embrace the volatility and the losing weeks in order to get the low-owned weeks where they go completely nuts. I mean, to be able to be on the pit, uh, the Pittman, the I mean, obviously Depot wasn't crazy there, but George Pickens even, like some of these mid-guys, like just being able to get to them to have the access to get up to a 7K plus now, Michael Pittman. I mean, finding access to them on slates where they're just middlingly owned on a 10-gamer, I mean, there's there's so much upside to just flipping builds like that and and finding some of those low end pieces. But I I really do think Sam Laporta was kind of the key to last week. Your boy, uh, it it was like the only tight end that did remotely anything. Right, like you right. you basically had him or you didn't. And I'm not a huge fan of those kind of weeks because I mean I didn't I didn't land on a lot of Sam Laporta. That's for sure. Um, but New Orleans in hindsight. This defense seems like it's it's fading a little bit. It, it hasn't been nearly as difficult of a matchup as perceived coming in. We'll talk about that when we get to Carolina because that's going to be a, a disturbing spot that I'm I'm going to try to fire up Thielen again. But I'm pretty positive that you know finding access to some of these super ceilings at the wide receiver position. I mean, we're just seeing better. I mean, we're just seeing crazy range of outcome stuff on low owned pieces, and people just aren't willing to click on it. You're absolutely right. Uh, I didn't have enough Laporta either last week. I would have liked to have Laporta though. Uh, yeah. He's really good, man. He's really good. Uh, we're going to talk. I, I'm like I said. I'm really excited to get your takes 
on this Detroit Chicago game because right now yeah. ownership and weather factoring in is coming down is coming down and all of the like I'm on Ross St. Brown currently we haven't projected at eight or nine percent ownership to me maybe I'm an insane person but I will have uh, I, I would love to get over the field on I'm on Ross St. Brown uh, even if the weather doesn't look great but let's kick it off at the running back position by the way guys if you haven't done so yeah take a single second tone for your sins tone for your sins hit that thumbs up subscribe to the channel and leave a comment down below give us like what are your thoughts on this slate i love reading these comments and everything uh and, and responding to them let us know if you're watching after the fact where are you at like are you going back to zach moss because we're going to talk about it and check out everything we have in podcast form all this goes to podcast apple podcast spotify uh and of course our podcast exclusive stuff we break down the previous slates we look at single entry three max strategy podcast exclusive that you can only find there that one came out on tuesday all right running backs so i tweeted the other day uh eric just to to tee this up for us because your thoughts are going to be important here people essentially know where i'm at on this but zach moss right in week 13 this is why i find it funny where people you know victory lap the fade which is honestly fine it doesn't or or say like man i never should have played this guy there's always a gray area. There's always a middle ground. And look, the Millie Maker and other big tournaments had Moss at first place. But anytime, and here's the tweet, anytime that I can get 94% of snaps from a running back at 4,600, seven attempts inside the 10-yard line that led all of football, 21 touches, and routes run on 68% of dropbacks, at 4,600, I will play that every single time I'm not surprised he's the chalkiest play this week. I will go back to the well against the Bengals at 5,900. It is what it is, man. There's too much volume, and they have no one else they want to give the ball to in the backfield with Jonathan Taylor out. Yep. Was going to say everything you did. I mean, the seven touches inside the 10, the opportunity, there's nobody else coming in behind him that's going to vulture any type of touchdown equity. I mean, it's going to be Michael Pittman and Josh Downs and Alec Pierce in the passing game for the deep shots for Pierce, or it's just going to be Zach Moss routinely inside of the 10 and this just creates an opportunity for people who think that they're smarter than math to completely bury themselves yet again you can talk about uh the fade you can talk about being underweight and and victory lap but again you have to get everything else right in your lineup now there is an opportunity cost with the salary this week but the matchup Cincinnati, this is a better spot than what we were insinuating was going to be existing in Tennessee, a yep, team that has sure. been able to shut down running back position at times. And, and I think that for me, we just we just fire it up again. I, I don't think there's a whole lot else to say. I think lineups where Zach Moss falls into it, uh, yeah, you can build very, very positive EV lineups around it, and it's not too difficult. You're right. And, you know, sure, there's some opportunity cost now that he's $1,300 more expensive than he was last week. But I think you could still make the argument based on volume and the matchup uh, and, and just the fact that he's getting all of the work in the backfield, unless something just dramatically changes the unforeseen. I don't think that'll be the case. I mean, he's the same price as Gus Edwards. I, I, yeah. Gus Edwards was a touchdown machine, but we know how volatile touchdowns are. He's not, it's him. It's Keaton Mitchell. We don't even know that Gus Edwards touches the ball more than eight times in this game. Javante Williams, I think is a good play but he's popular too. And while he's getting work, he hasn't been that efficient. Samaje Pirine still gets passing down work. They still work in Jaleel McLaughlin a little bit. I like, I like Javante Williams, but just, I'm just trying to give you an, uh, 
and I, you know this, but just give you um, like an outline of the slate itself, kind of lay of the land here. 5,900 relative to the other backs in this price range is definitely reasonable. Definitely. And Gus Edwards playing 26% of the snaps. Does yeah. that seem like fun to people? Uh, 26% of the snaps last time around, Keith Mitchell sitting there 42%. We know that Harbaugh is going to be rotating running backs in like crazy. That's just been the MO of Baltimore forever uh, for at least the last five years of NFL DFS. It's just so hard to pinpoint it. Could have been J.K. Dobbins, but a uh, rip to that from week one. I'm looking at the rest of the range. Obviously, Javante Williams is the guy that stands out next. Played 66% of the snaps, but I don't know what to make of this Denver team here uh, offensively in this spot. I want to fire it up. I, I The Chargers have been terrible, but I think they're going to end up pretty popular come Sunday, and I think I just have some trepidation there. You look at the top stacks tool, Denver's sitting near the middle to bottom of that. Even in a phenomenal matchup, no weather, obviously, playing in a dome in L.A. But, I mean, this is just a spot where I think Zach Moss is so clear-cut above the rest of the field in this range. Besides maybe one guy, and I'm I'm just curious because this, this always feels awful when you're talking about box score watching. And it's like you just missed the boat on it. And I had dropped him, like, I don't know, during a bye. I can't remember what it was. Week 7, they had the bye for Carolina. Wait, let me tell you. Oh, I knew you were going to go too Sorry. Long. I wanted to guess. Wow, I'll set you up on another one later at wide receiver. But Chuba Hubbard, 64% of the snaps back-to-back weeks here. As soon as they switched over play-calling duties, Miles Sanders, he's been relegated to sub-40% snaps here. We had seen sub-30% in week eight and nine coming off of that bye. I think Chuba Hubbard's just a guy that he's kind of a bell cow on a bad team, but this New Orleans team definitely is going to give up more than anticipated this season. And I just keep talking myself into like, all right, Chuba, we know that the workload's there. And Adam Thielen, it hasn't been good the last two weeks, for sure. And maybe that's a change in schematics, change in play calling, trying to get Jonathan Mingo involved with the 10 targets. But Adam Thielen's now 6,300, and Chuba Hubbard is sitting there at a spot at 5,600. These are two guys I kind of starred, centered, highlighted coming into today where it's like, yeah, this ownership feels a little bit low, but... I'll embrace it if people aren't going to actually go there. I have no issues with that at all. Like you said, and you kind of foreshadowed this saying the Saints defense looks like it's well, also their offense is putting the opposing offenses in fortuitous spots too. Yep. You know, and, and look, if it's Jameis Winston this week, don't think he's not going to get, <laughs> don't think he's not going to have some pick. I think the Panthers defense is viable. Just you know, JC Horn. Absolutely. They are, you know, like it's, mm-hmm. it's very much in play. I have a couple other guys I want to throw at you, and I'm with you. I, I have no Miles Sanders not running behind that Eagles line. I said it the first week of the season. Expect different results than we got in Philly. Um, yeah. McCaffrey's very popular. <clears throat> I, I don't want 20% Zach Charbonnet to tell you that. Like, I, if there's a spot that I'd probably get away from from chalk, it would be getting away from Zach Charbonnet there. Uh I honestly. Looking at price points, what does he what does he cost? Fifty four hundred, I think. Yeah, so that, I guess that's why because he's cheap. Mm-hmm. And Zach Charbonnet played sixty three percent of the snaps. He had ninety percent of the rushing opportunities. I think that's what makes it difficult. Is DJ Dallas came in for some of those pass catching duties, ran thirty seven percent of the routes. Um, it that's became a brutal matchup, though. Yeah, that's exactly it. This this San Francisco defense just put the the gauntlet. On San, on uh, on Philly, it was wild to watch, and it was 
I know that it, we can talk about Yak for, you know, for Brock Purdy to to Devo Samuel, but you can't say enough about how good that San Francisco defense was. They they did everything they were supposed to do in that matchup. They can play press coverage. They can really get after you physically. A.J. Brown seemed really, really frustrated yet again. Um, and then they can get after the quarterback. I mean, this this is just not a spot that I think Seattle, I mean, <laughs> I, I am pretty positive I'll be overweight to that game in general uh, yet again. But I'm also pretty positive that Zach Charbonnet is the guy that I'm going to have the least of relative to the field. That's all I'm saying. I don't anticipate totally. having none of them. But yeah, yeah. One guy that's honestly, I thought he'd be a little bit more popular than he is in our early run of ownership that I really like. And it's going to be tough because you have to pay for him. And as always, you know, paying for receivers. And then you've got a Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes matchup. So it could be difficult. Alvin Kamara does stand out to me. Mm -hmm. the, The Panthers have allowed 20 rushing touchdowns this year. 20. It's by far, it's the most in the league. 17 of them have come against opposing running backs. And yes, the whole Taysom Hill factor blows. It sucks. Okay. I'm not pretend I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not blind to that. I see it and I hate it. Okay. I hate watching the saints, particularly when I have exposure to these guys because it's horrible, but Alvin Kamara is still very good and he's still getting a lot of volume. You know, even last week, Taysom Hill had what 13 carries and Kamara still had 14 attempts and eight targets and two touchdowns. We knew that that touchdown regression was going to work in his favor eventually after last year. I still think if he's, you know, low double digit, like 10, 11%, I would like to be over the field on Kamara against a team that can't keep running backs out of the end zone. I'm with you. I think the one thing that just keeps getting me caught up on it Alvin Kamara only had 39% of the rushing attempts for the Saints. I think that's pretty wild. You're obviously looking for passing game involvement, and I'm going to be looking at this Carolina-New Orleans game in a different light than it would appear the field is, at least now with Thursday. We'll see if that changes come Sunday. But you know that there's not going to be any weather in New Orleans. I don't find this defense, even though they've been good at, at holding yardage, as you said, they've been put in advantageous or in disadvantageous situations because of Derek Carr. And now Jameis Winston throwing footballs across the field, trying to air it out. That should be fun. I'm not sure that Alvin Kamara is going to be the guy that I end up prioritizing from that game entirely. 8,200, you bring up the Taysom Hill factor. But for me, I just keep looking at that rushing opportunity. It's like, man, if they're not going to, they're not going to be giving him kind of the bell cow work there. That gets a little bit dicey for me. 58% of the snaps still has that passing game involvement, 28% of the target share, but does James Winston check it down nearly as much? No, that's going to be a little bit worrisome as well, but we'll see what that ownership comes in on because it's all relative to their, to their chances of success. For sure. Look, I, I, like I said, none of that's lost on me, but yep. I, I do think there's a little bit more nuance than just rushing the percent of rushing attempts because he still had 14 carries. They just ran the ball a ton. I'd love for him to get more, but I think if Evan Kamara was coming off of like two 20 attempt games, he'd be 25%. Like I really do in this matchup. He has 15 and 14 attempts over his last two games, a combined 13 targets. Um, you'd rather Derek Carr. That's the only, only other thing I'd rather Derek Carr in there because he'll dump it off to Kamara all day long. Um, wouldn't you rather, I would, I would rather have Derek Carr than James. hundred percent. Like James Winston wants to Chuck down the field. And that's where I think Olave is going to be the guy I probably fire up. We'll see what happens with Rashid Shahid. Uh, A.T. Perry is yet again 3,500. 
and they were on the second squad. They they seemed to have decent rapport. You obviously had that Minnesota touchdown catch, which was weird. It was like from the two, Jameis Winston rolls left and throws it all the way to the right corner of the end zone, and A.T. Perry just wins a jump ball. But I look at this New Orleans spot as one that I want to be overweight to, and uh, as disturbing as it is, we might get Taysom Hill out. I mean, this is this is a possibility. I, I bet he plays. I think Juwan Johnson plays too, but I mean, they are might play. Hill Hill didn't practice on Wednesday, which is always fun. We, my worry is that if you have Taysom Hill out, everybody will play Camara anyway, especially if Derek Carr's in. So it's yeah. a it's a weird it's a weird spot with a lot of unknowns besides Olave, who I obviously love for sure. And look, Derek Carr might play. He got a limited practice in yesterday. If he plays, I, I I'll preface it with that. If it's Winston, I would definitely have less interest in Alvin Kamara. It's like. I feel like Austin Powers, when it comes to the New Orleans, it's like, why won't you die with Derek Carr? I just want to see Jameis Winston play football. Is that too much to ask to watch Jameis Winston play football and turn it over four times, but have four tutties in the process? I know. I know. He's the fantasy god when it comes to that. It's crazy. Although I don't know if he is in New Orleans. We'll see. Maybe we will. Anyway, uh, I, I have another lower-owned guy I want to talk to. I want to spend more time on some of these lower-owned guys than the high and the high-owned guys. Like, we already know Christian McCaffrey's a great play, right? There's not – they're 10.5-point home favorite. Not a ton to get into there. Josh Jacobs, 18%. He's going to get a lot of volume. <clears throat> I mean, it, look, if there's any other guys that are getting 10-plus, double-digit percent ownership, if you wanted to touch on Mixon or Rashad White or – by the way, Falcons haven't allowed – somebody corrected me on this. I said they hadn't allowed a rushing touchdown. Uh, they DM'd me. They haven't allowed a rushing touchdown to running backs all year, which is equally insane. They've allowed four to, to, to quarterbacks. But uh, anybody else here, Pacheco, White, Mixon, before we get into some of these lower-owned guys? Oh, yeah. I love – I have some low-owned running backs this week. Me too. Uh, obviously, Chuba, and, I mean, I have so many that I'm interested in. I think the best out of this grouping up here is probably going to be Josh Jacobs going up against my Vikings. It's just – we know he's getting a lot of the opportunity. He's looked a lot better in recent weeks. Uh, week 11 against Miami, that was just a stupid football game. But outside of that, he's been much better than I think people anticipated. 16 fantasy points in four of his last five. He continues to have all of the opportunities in all of the land, even against Kansas City there. Uh, passing game involvement, 20 touches. I mean, this is just this is just a spot at 6,900 where he's undervalued at home against Minnesota. I think I get a little bit weirded out by this total. Every time I keep looking at it, I'm like, how is this total under 40 for this football game? But, um, or at 40, but it is what it is. Josh Jacobs, just because of the volume, pretty, pretty he gets a, he gets a leg up on the Bajon Robinson, on the Javante Williams, on the Joe, well, Joe Mixon falls into that vein. But like, do we think Browning can, can, you know, have lightning strike twice? I'm not positive. So I'll probably be a bit, be a little bit trepidatious. And then Rashad White, indisputably awesome when it comes to the passing game role and, you know, finding the box, the most consistent running back relative to the price range over the course of the last 10 weeks. So I think you can just continually click on him until he's 7K. So, yeah, don't disagree. Mixon is is touchdown dependent here, but I, I love the workload he's seeing in the passing game, even with Jake Browning. Uh, that game should be competitive, one-point spread. Mixon is totally fine. Like, I... I'm not saying he's a pivot off of Zach Moss because he's still getting ownership, but I, I like that range quite a bit. I'm with you on Josh Jacobs. I wanted to ask you about a couple of guys, though. The fr- I was going to bring up Roshan Johnson if Dante if Dante Foreman was out because last game 
Roshan Johnson, even with Khalil Herbert mm-hmm. healthy and not his first game back, but his second, Roshan Johnson had 74% of snaps in that last game. I'm still, I'm still going back and forth on this. Like with Dante Foreman in here, now that he's healthy, I'm still going back and forth. Like, are they just going to give the backfield to, to Johnson and give him 60, 70% of snaps each week? I don't think I can get there quite yet though, because it's still too much of a mess. It's a mess now with Foreman back, but yeah, that was a surprise. I think that was a surprise for everybody with Herbert and Johnson. Um, The one nice thing is that you expect this game to be competitive and obviously Chicago slight dogs. And then the passing game involvement for DraftKings purposes, Roshan's the guy you want to get to, and he's the cheapest of the three. So at 4,900, I don't completely hate just blindly playing a little bit. It's a price range that we don't really have any targets this week. We've had Moss. We've had a number of, you know, like whether it was all the Steelers guys that I've talked about for three weeks in a row. And thank God they're not on a main slate this weekend. Um, I'm just tired of talking about them. But I am very positive that Roshan Johnson's the only Chicago running back that I will touch this week. Okay. Yeah. And look, if the weather does in, end up being impactful, dump offs, rushing attempts. Yeah. So the guy that I've been waiting to ask you about, he's on a team where the coach is not going to last past this season. Hell, okay. hell, if they lose this game, I wouldn't be surprised if he's gone. So Austin Eckler is who we're talking about. Bingo. Okay. Bingo. Austin Eckler, 6%. I mean, hell, Mike Williams and Palmer, I'm not saying they don't make a difference. They do. Mike Williams makes a big difference stretching the field. Acrobatic catches, just throw it up to him. Keenan Allen, like, of course. But this team, man, I don't care about the weather. They scored six points last week. They find ways consistently to lose. Austin Eckler, we currently have him projected for 6% ownership, 6% ownership against Denver at home at $7,600. Where are you going, if anywhere, with Austin Eckler at probably the lowest ownership we've seen all year? This is just insane. This, I think this is the hardest spot on the entire slate that's why i said i couldn't wait to ask you because i'm struggling uh, yeah so let's talk through it because austin eckler there's his his analytics look about identical to last season it's just that the results have not been there in any way shape or form and i think there's a couple of things that if we were to reverse engineer and go back to the beginning of the best ball season or week one of this season Keenan Allen's been healthy, played every game. That is a huge detriment to him because now all of these dump-offs that used to be Austin Eckler are now Keenan Allen short slants in the middle of the field, on the outside of the field, and he wins one-on-one matchups. We've seen 14, 16, 16, nine targets here for Keenan Allen repeatedly. He's almost at 1,200 yards. He already has over 100 catches this season. That is so much volume. And it's going away from Austin Eckler almost entirely. And yes, has he been bad the last couple of weeks in terms of, you know, just yards per carry? I mean, he's had two games now, 15 carries against Chicago, less than two yards per carry week 13 last week, less than two yards per carry. But that New England one, that was a little bit messy. And I think it's hard to look at one game like that. That's rainy. That's disgusting. And obviously that you're playing situational football. And, and not really trying to force anything because you know New England can't score on anybody on a peewee football team right now. I think that we're kind of judging Austin Eckler on too harsh of a scale relative to what that game was. And then also relative to the fact that he has Keenan Allen on his team. But now we're getting to 7,600. It's a Denver defense that I think 
I know they've played better, but they're dead last in yardage given up to the running back position this season. Nearly 150 yards per game. Have they improved? Yes, but it seems as though they're happy to let people get a little bit going on the ground. So, I mean, there's this coach speak. I just saw somebody put this into the chat that Joshua Kelly might be getting some opportunities. I don't completely hate that, but like, He's had right around five or six carries every single one of these games. I don't think this changes this week. So, yeah, I'm probably with you. We're 7,600 Austin Eckler. This might be an underutilized piece, and he's going back home into a dome. No weather. We'll see where the ownership lands, but I feel like right now that's definitely somebody that uh, you want to be on high alert because all it takes is one week for an Austin Eckler to be like, oh, yeah, he's still pretty good. Yeah, it's just you can't again. Well said. You you can't see him staying down this long, but maybe he. I don't know the team. The team is they feel broken right now. If we're being honest, but he's seventy six hundred dollars. He's around five percent owned. Um, we had a comment said Eckler's toast. His injuries have cost him his burst. He's the new Z. Yeah, I don't know. You know what? Maybe I can't say for sure. I'm not going to say you're right or wrong. Maybe I don't know. Another week of getting Jalen Guyton back to, I think last week, bad conditions, only played 38 snaps. I think you probably see a little bit more of him. Gerald Everett's looked pretty good, um, you know, for for what we expect from Gerald Everett in the year of our Lord 2023. But I I think you have Parham who can snipe touchdown volume from time to time uh, at the goal line. I mean, he only has four touchdowns this season, but it seems like he has more. And then Keenan Allen, I mean, that's the huge detriment to Austin Eckler. As long as that guy's been staying healthy, there's just not the same receiving volume for DraftKings purposes. So, I mean, if Joshua Kelly continues to to sneak up in terms of these snaps, he's up to 40% last week. And, you know, Austin Eckler sitting around 57%. That's one thing, but still 61% of the rushing opportunities ran around on nearly 50% of routes, uh, even though I'm pretty positive they didn't nearly, I mean, that's the lowest amount of routes he's ran all season long. And I think it was purely because of the matchup, the surface, and just knowing that they probably didn't need to actually score. What are you doing with David Montgomery? That's my guy this week. Yep. It's my absolute dude this week. I am going to die with David Montgomery. Just dying with him. He had 18 carries and everybody they was still talking- don't, They still don't want to use J- Jameer Gibbs as like any form of bell cow at all. So, yeah. If they're in positive game scripts, it's going to be David Montgomery. It just is. And I think that that's something that people have just been sleeping on here. I was glad to get rewarded somewhat last week. Although, again, didn't matter. There were just a couple of major mistakes high tight end looking at you but um as i look at this this detroit team they want to establish the run they want to run it down your throat and you saw 46 percent of snaps there for jameer gibbs but the glaring highlight thing only 27 percent of the rushing opportunities david montgomery got everything else i mean it is just the david montgomery show going back into chicago here i am going to play lots of him i don't think jameer gibbs uh, 6,600. I, I don't think I'm going to end up clicking on him like at all. And I think it's just going to be, all right, David Montgomery at 6,400 has nearly 20 touch upside here in this spot. I think his touchdown equity is through the roof. He has a touchdown in four straight games of which one of them, he put Jameer Gibbs back out on the field for the chargers. So that box score could look even more ridiculous. Yep. I mean, David Montgomery is a bell cow back. That's who they're going to ride here in this spot. And that's who I'm going to click on repeatedly at 6,400. And again, keep an eye out for weather in this game. 
David Montgomery is a good running back too. He's good. So, you know, like just throwing this out there, you know, people, oh, he's the replacement for Jamal. Will- no, he's way better than Jamal Williams. Way better. Jamal, like, Jamal Williams, Williams was a beast inside the five. Yep. David Montgomery's like an actual good running back in between the twenties as well. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, last guy. And then we'll talk wide receivers here. I, I have to throw it out there just because he is free. He's, He's the only guy they want to use. Kyron Williams. Yep. Now, Lamar Jackson's 18. I think we're on a similar wavelength this week. Lamar Jackson is 18 and one career against NFC teams, which is nuts. But, but Sean McVay is also the type of guy that will kick a field goal as time expires down 10 points to uh, cover the spread. Remember that earlier this year? I was on it's the incredible. other side. Oh, uh, <laughs> Yeah, that was brutal, man. But what I mean by this is, first of all, every they, they Baltimore's faced two NFC teams at home. They absolutely shit on Detroit. They shit on Seattle. Like, not at no point were those games competitive. Maybe that happens here. But if it doesn't and it stays relatively competitive, I'll just give you guys this and you can make your own decision or base it off what Eric has to say. Kyron Williams played 94% of snaps in his second game back from the IR. Like, what else can I say? You know what I mean? What else can you say? Those are the best guys to take shots on, in my opinion, in tournaments when they're going to be low-owned. Yes, they have a sub-17 total, the Rams do, going into Baltimore. Yes, this is an atrocious spot against a Baltimore defense that, you know, just brings so much to the table. You have a dinged-up Pukunakua. I think he's going to be fine to go. You have a dinged-up Cooper Cup. I think he's going to be fine to go and... You know, I think that if you had one of them out, maybe the ownership would come up a little bit because Kyron Williams, not exactly uninvolved in the passing game, but this guy, he's eighth in PFF uh, grading right now. And if you are going to just take tournament pivots on guys, it might as well be the ones that have the entire backfield. That was my whole, you know, getting to James Conner last week. It's like James Conner is going to play as many snaps as possible, even though he's on a bad football team. This is a Rams team that if they win this game is looking really good for the NFC for the playoffs. This would be a surprise for me, obviously, but I mean, they're six and six. Now Kyron Williams has been dynamic the last couple of weeks. The grading's good. The analytics analytics are good. Um, He's breaking tackles. He's got involvement in the passing game. And as you said, 90 plus percent of snaps, that's, I, I feel like we're on the same wavelength with some of these guys. I mean, this is somebody that at 7,300 is now one people millions of dollars multiple times this season with yep, a yep, slate breaking yeah. upside. It's just, why wouldn't you play him sub 10%? And he's actually pretty good. That's the Very thing. Good. I'm with you, man. Let's talk wide receivers before we do shout out to our sponsor prize picks. Look, they just, they continue to do it. They They continue to get bigger and bigger. And more people find out about them and more people play. And you know, the good part about that is the more people play there, it doesn't affect your edge at all because you're not playing against the field in a spot like this, obviously playing against prize picks. So you want to make the right plays. But when you've got all of our videos on the odd shopper channel, right? When you get, dude, Josh is, Josh is crushed uh, with prize picks. Jake, Jake Hari. You guys, many of you probably remember him. He used to do MLB and NHL content. Now he helps and does a ton of stuff behind the scenes, super valuable stuff. But he was using the uh, the prize. He was using the the prize picks builder over on our Odd Shopper tool. 
he was up $9,000 in November using that specifically on prize picks. There's money to be made here and there's good plus EV plays out there. And there's a hundred dollar first match deposit bonus, especially if you're in non-legal betting States. Many of you are, I'm in a legal betting state. Eric's not Eric's in California. So he lives on prize picks quite a bit himself. If you're not there yet and you, you play DFS, but you're like, yeah, I'd like to have some other stuff too. This is the best approach. It's incredible. So I play prize picks every single day. I think people know that at this point in time. And uh, there are just not enough words to describe how good of a product this is. I mean, prize picks gives you NBA, NHL, NFL, soccer, esports, MMA, Euro basketball, CS2. They give you just as many, if not more, offerings than your traditional sports books. And then for me, I've always been a guy who came from the DFS space to props. Like props are what I do. I love props. And in fact, I'm starting a TikTok series here where I'm doing Lindy's Pick'em. Uh, I'm just going to be straight doing Pick'em every single day talking through it because people have really enjoyed that content and it's gotten gigantic. Do me a favor though, whatever you do today, he was 12 and a half yesterday. I slammed it to the absolute moon, even though it was plus money over at Sportsbooks at the time. Trey Murphy is now up to 13 and a half points for tonight's basketball game festivities. Trey Murphy is one of the best shooters in the NBA. He's now in his third NBA season. He's going to play 30-ish minutes. And I think in a Lakers matchup, they probably close with him over JVL because they can go Zion on Anthony Davis and, and go a little bit smaller. Trey Murphy could legitimately play 34 minutes in his third game back here. And he sits at just 13 and a half points. He was at 12 and a half. That would have been my like smash to the moon favorite play of the entire year type situation. I played a ton of cards last night. And today at 13 and a half points, just get him involved right now. If you're looking at the NFL board, there are a number of spots that I was looking at. And uh, I mean, we're going to talk about it here very, very shortly. But I do like the idea of Matthew Stafford, 200 and a half passing yards. He was sitting at 195 and a half. But you look at traditional sports books, he is sitting there around 205 in some of these spots. I mean, this is a low number sitting over at prize picks. Yes, there's weather concerns, but Matthew Stafford with the Kyron Williams, Pukunakua, Cooper Cup, they're going to be playing from behind more than likely against Baltimore. And anytime you can get Matt Stafford in a pass-happy offense at 200 yards, you just do it independent of the weather. So 200 and a half passing yards, really good to be getting to for the Sunday slate. Love it. All about it, man. It's it's fun. You got touched. There's a million different sports, a million different props. $100 first match deposit bonus. And they do free squares all the time. So you're just shooting your ROI to the moon when you're taking advantage of those. Even if you're on other pick'em sites, get your deposit bonus, 100% up to 100 bucks. Link in the description and in chat if you're not on prize picks yet. We will see you over there. All right. Talk to me about Keenan Allen, 21% right now. Brandon Ayuk, 18%. I'm, huh, I think I'm going to be living in like the eight, 9% range of ownership if this holds. Living in the, in the what ownership? Like, so the... like guys that we have projected around eight and 9%. There's four or five of them I'm looking at right now. I'm going to be living in that range. I yeah, love this it. is, this is going to be a fun range. So let's start with the chalk, Keenan Allen. I think he is indisputably a good play. Um, the target volume is there, but the pivots you're getting and the ownership you're saving, I mean, I can't do the Justin Jefferson thing. I can't do it. I won't do it. I want to, but I can't. Not with Josh Dobbs, not with this offense, and now 
Jordan Addison, TJ Hawkinson. I think it's just a little bit too diluted without Kirk Cousins there. I think you're going to be on the road in this spot. And I, I think 8,500 Justin Jefferson in a spot where I don't know what those snaps are going to be is just hard for me to get to. But Amon Ross St. Brown, 8,200. It sounds like you're on board with me here. Amon Ross St. Brown, give me all of that you got and more against the Chicago secondary. They looked great for one night and one night only against Josh Dobbs playing in like his third or fourth game with the Vikings. And I I don't really take a whole lot out of that. This is a spot where I will be firing up Amon Ross St. Brown to the moon, probably. I'm just going to be him and David Montgomery. They're going to kind of make my week. I think there's just so many ways that he gets 15, 16 targets in a game like this. It's been a long time, a long time since we've seen any kind of like considerable volume. He's had 11 targets in two of his last five, but he had 19 against Baltimore, 15 against Tampa Bay here on the road. Some of these road matchups, they just rely on Amon Ross St. Brown to be that short yardage kind of guy as well. I, I mean, it's it's like a little mini Keenan Allen. So I am very much on board with Amon Ross St. Brown, sub 10%, probably my favorite play in the range. I mentioned it earlier. I'm with you. It's just, even if the weather isn't great, it's still Amon Ross St. Brown. You don't need to target him deep downfield. Jared Goff loves him, you know, but it's not just him. It's, I mean, if Winston starts, Chris Olave, 9%. Carolina's pass defense isn't all that bad. J.C. Horn being back is helpful, but I'm throwing Chris Olave out there at 9% because, again, Michael Thomas is on the IR. Um, I don't know what Rashid Shahid's status is, but it's definitely possible that he ends up missing this. He didn't practice yesterday. Could just be a lot of Olave targets in this one. Uh, Jamar Chase is 9% against the Colts. We have him sub 10% owned right now at uh, $7,600. Mike Evans at 8,500, or uh, sorry, at 8% ownership. Yep. This guy's been phenomenal. He's already over 1,000 yards in 12 games. He has double digit touchdowns and 1,000 yards in 12 games, guys. Like, th- those are ridiculous numbers. And you know, it, it, he's been wildly consistent. There are certainly going to be games on this team where you're not putting up huge numbers. But you look, he's got one, three games north of 25 fantasy points in his last four alone. There's a lot of upside there. Uh, and then one more I'll throw at you. Zay Flowers. I, I kind of hate trying to figure out what's going on with this Baltimore team. But my, Mark Andrews is out. Zay Flowers is still a guy that could give you eight, nine targets. This to me is a because he did have a pass, a receiving and a rushing touchdown last week. I probably he's probably my least favorite guy in this range, but I throw him out there anyway. One other guy at one percent, I need your thoughts on. One percent we have him at right now. Do you want to guess who it is? It's a mid-range guy, mid-range player. Oh gosh. See, this is so fun. I, I need to give you more of the guessing game questions. This is so fun. It is. Are you gonna go mid-range DJ player. Moore? DJ Moore nailed it. There we go, dude, this guy, DJ Moore. I mentioned this to Ben on, on Tuesday, but can we consider for a second that he's already a thousand yard receiver and Justin Fields missed four games, (laughs) right? Justin Fields missed, or it might've been three games. Maybe they had a buy. I don't know if, no, I think Justin Fields missed four games and DJ Moore is a thousand yard receiver already. So, I don't know. I, I guess the weather could be impactful. To, but what am I missing here at 1% on a guy who, when Justin Fields is out there, 
has had tournament winning upside every week. You're not missing anything. I think what's happened is that there are like slate winners from previous weeks that are just kind of getting steamed. And I love Debo Samuel, red 19 best number in football, best number on a roulette wheel in Vegas. I know from experience Debo Samuel, 6,800, he's pulling 10% ownership. I think that might end up even higher. I think we're looking at guys like Jamar Chase who are sitting at 9%. I think coming off of last week, going to be even higher. And this isn't me just theorizing. This is what's happened routinely this entire NFL season. And it seems like the chalks bounce back in a pretty prominent way. But like, you go back to that Washington primetime game. I mean, there is such upside with DJ Moore. And he's had terrible quarterbacks his entire career. Justin Fields is going to be playing for his long-term contract here the next couple of weeks. He is, and maybe it won't be with the Bears, but it will be with somebody. And DJ Moore is your path to smashing. There is nobody else. You don't want to be throwing it to Darnell Mooney, Equinemia St. Brown. Cole Cometti's had a pretty good rapport with, but like for me, this is this is a one and a half percent guy that is like this is his like lunch buddy. This is who he's gonna sit down at the table with and say, yo. We're going to make some money together. Let's go. DJ Moore already got paid, but like the path to Justin Fields being an NFL quarterback is throwing the football to your best player by far. DJ Moore, 6,500, completely on board with you. Can we also talk about how bad Detroit's defense been for like the last four weeks? Because they are god awful. Yeah, man, real bad. They, they, they have turned back into a pumpkin. I'll tell you that much for <laughs> sure. Um, we will talk about that, but DJ Moore, if you were to just take the games that he's played with Fields this year and prorate that across 17 games, you're talking 1,700 yards, right? 1,700 receiving yards and 13 touchdowns. I know it's not apples to apples, but take those four games out where it was Tyson Bajan and just take the eight games where and, – and I know also that Fields, you know, Moore had that one huge game. But even before that, are we ignoring – ready? Eric, in week one, whatever, gross game. But in the first five games they played, he had a 104-yard game, a 131-yard game, a 230-yard game. Then he followed up with eight and nine target games. Didn't do much in the terms of yards, but still eight and nine targets. Then seven for 96 in Fields' first game back against Detroit. And then 11 on 13 targets for 114 yards last week. Those are those are not one percent owned numbers as sixty five hundred. He got superstar status on DraftKings Rainmakers, and I'm still upset about it. Did he really? Yes, he sure did. It is so tilting. I bought so much of him um, because I was like, oh, I'll be able to to flip him because he'll be the one guy who doesn't get superstar status in the middle of this season. And then what happens? He gets the star tag and. You have Justin Fields go out. It was the apocalypse at that point in time. So uh, if anybody wants NBA tap shot like money for DJ Moore, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm in the middle of a fire sale to a certain extent. I can't fill out enough lineups with him, but uh, I'm I'm so there with you. It's him, Amon Ross St. Brown. I think there's just three games that are getting drastically lower ownership than I expected. Detroit, Chicago being one. New Orleans, Carolina. I think that one's a little bit more understandable. And then Seattle, San Francisco isn't nearly as insane as I expected it to be. I think Kansas City, Buffalo is rightfully going to get steamed up as the week goes up, goes on. And then Keenan Allen with that role, I mean, the it's appropriate. But um, there are so many great wide receiver pivots this week, and I think DJ Moore is probably at the top of the list at 1.5%. Any other receivers you want to talk about before we talk tight ends here? 
Why am I playing Adam Thielen again? Yeah, it's been a tough go recently, man. I mean, did he turn back into a pumpkin too? And I, I think this is like what I'm worried about is that the offensive play calling duties, they change over and then they're trying to make Chase Young feel good about himself or trying to like get him involved with like Jonathan Mingo, younger wide receiver core. You know, maybe maybe this is just something where Adam Thielen later stages of his career, he's just dinged up, banged up at this point in the season. He hasn't missed any time, but like, I, I'm a little bit worried about that, but what happens from time to time is Bryce Young only looks in his direction. And, you know, I, I, I would assume this is one of those spots in new Orleans uh, or, or at home taking on new Orleans here. It just feels like him, Cortland Sutton, like there's a number of these guys. I think Cortland Sutton might also get steamed up come the end of the year. I mean, the guy just continually scores touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. And, He's very good at football. I like him as as kind of a what six point three percent guy. We'll see what happens because he he seems like a pairing with Keenan Allen that just kind of makes sense. But I guess Gabe Davis at fifty eight hundred one point two percent owned. This is the one piece that routinely, if you see crazy Josh Allen ceiling games so far this season, they've almost been aligned with like crazy ceiling Gabriel Davis games. And I'm not saying that Diggs can't be the guy, but Diggs is eighty eight hundred. And there's just better volume, more predictable volume with Keenan Allen and Amon Ross St. Brown than what there is with the Stephon Diggs. I would even say Jamar Chase at 7,600, a little bit more predictable volume than that of Stephon Diggs. I think Gabe Davis, 5,800, he probably won't get owned because now he's gone up from 5,300 where he was at against Philly to that number where he's sitting at now. Coming off of a bye, Kansas City, I think that is just, that's going to be one piece that I'm definitely overweight to. Okay. I like it. I have to I have to talk about Elijah Moore before we move on. You you might not like it, but it's it's accurate though. I mean, there's there's something there. Well, I mean, look, I think Flacco probably starts. DTR was a limited participant, but Flacco was still taking the first team reps. The truth is, Flacco gives you a better shot of winning than Dorian Thompson Robinson right now. You don't you don't have to like that, but I, I think it's true. Um I don't think Amari Cooper plays. So with that in mind, Elijah Moore coming off a almost 30 targets, 30% target share game, 50% of team air yards. Flacco actually likes to throw the ball through 44 times. I think Elijah Moore coming off a 12 target game. I know he only caught four of them, whatever. Doesn't really matter all that much to me at that price point. I thought ownership would even be a little bit higher. If it's Flacco, clearly there's some stipulations here. And Amari Cooper sits. I think one of your best cheap receivers is going to be Elijah Moore uh, against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And with Trevor Lawrence, with, with it being C.J. Beathard over Trevor, I don't know if they officially ruled Lawrence out, but I can't imagine he plays, even though he's a tough dude. Yeah. Assuming he's out, I, I think Cleveland holds the ball enough to where this makes a lot of sense. Your top three in air yards in week 13. Mike Evans, third, 212 yard air yards. Cortland Sutton, 216. Elijah Moore had 255 air yards on 12 targets. Dude, it's Flacco. What are we doing here? It's awesome. I mean, it's awesome because Elijah Moore is, I've always felt he was pretty good. I, and I, I think Cleveland getting rid of, you know, just uh, casting off. I can't even remember who, what his name here at the top of my head. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones getting cast off to, to die in Detroit. I think... Elijah Moore, pretty comfortable feeling knowing that he is still going to be your D threat and he can be that guy. 
he he obviously looked good with Joe Flacco when they played together with the Jets, and that's what everybody kind of highlighted start on. I didn't know what to make of Joe Flacco there, but I will say it's different throwing a football around a dome in L.A. as opposed to going outside in Cleveland and Jacksonville. This is probably not going to be a spot he goes for 250 air yards, but he doesn't really have to if he's going to be seeing this kind of volume. He has obvious rapport with with uh, Joe Flacco. You're going to have to throw the ball at some point in time. I can't imagine this is one of those you know, Buffalo-New England games, uh, days of yore where there were like three passing attempts on the New England side or two passing attempts, but um, Cleveland, Joe Flacco does give them the best chance to win. I think anybody who watched that football game last week understands that. I just, I mean, Elijah Moore is now 4,500, a little bit different than uh, 3,500, where last week he could have smashed that slate very, very easily. I think a lot of people, myself included, got lucky by not being there. Uh, this week, 4,500, yeah, I'm maybe maybe I get a little bit because I, I recognize that the opportunities there, but it is obviously a, a gross game environment. Yeah, and the weather's not good. But yep. again, Joe Flacco clearly locked on to Elijah Moore last week. Big time. I think he's gonna throw one way or another. Let's talk about some tight ends here. Uh so the ones that are really jumping right now, David and Joku is one of them. Do with that as as you please. I mean, whatever. That's honestly my thoughts on David and Joker. Just kind of whatever, you know. Yeah, he's Kelsey. just been solid though. His role is pretty freaking sure. good for a tight end. Sure. No, no, no. He's been fine. Yeah. But that's what I mean. The, nothing excites me. True. Kelsey's getting 14%, Pitts at 11, Kittle at 10. Laporte is still down there getting no ownership. So is TJ Hawkinson against the Raiders. Maybe a couple interesting spots to explore down there. I think Isaiah likely with a nice implied total at 7% with no Mark Andrews getting a lot of snaps is in play. Uh, I don't hate tight end this week. I don't hate it either. And now we also have Kelsey on the slate, which brings a whole nother layer to the, to the equation, considering he's projected for six and a half more fantasy points than anybody. I want to ask you about Travis Kelsey first, actually, because I'm concerned by what we've seen in recent weeks. Obviously, I'm not going to dig into Taylor Swift narrative. I'm not going to dig into that, but like there are glaring signs. He's, he's old. He's, he's not young relative to NFL years. He has a lot of miles on the tires and, you know, they've gotten Rashi Rice more involved. They need to have him on the field every single snap. I, I don't know what they're waiting for having Rashi Rice just playing, you know, 60-ish percent of snaps, 70, 65%-ish of snaps. Like, yeah. let's get him on the field for every single snap. If MVS last season could play 100% of snaps, Rashi Rice should be on there nonstop. But I do think this is a game environment against Buffalo that, you know, is going to be something that people get to. And I'm worried that Travis Kelsey sees an ownership bump as a result. He's already, you know, what, 13.6% owned. David Njoku, the only guy pulling more ownership, which is kind of hilarious to me. But, like, do you have any concerns about what we've seen from Kelsey and his role the last couple of weeks? Because I do. Yeah, Kelsey and the whole offense, really. Kelsey and the, and the whole offense. I do. There was one week all season, all season long, one week, where you absolutely needed Travis Kelsey. There was one week. The Chargers game? Uh, was it? Yeah, char so. yep, yeah. yep, Chargers game. Yeah, 12 for 179 and a touchdown. Since then, you would have been very happy to fade Travis Kelsey if he were on the main slate. On any of those games, at his price point, you know, high 7K, low 8K price point. Look, if I'm stacking Mahomes, if I'm this this is the way I'm doing it. I really think that I'm and I don't know this yet. This is just me kind of shooting the shit with you on a Thursday. 
it, it feels like to me if the exposure I want to Travis Kelsey is going to be tethered to Patrick Mahomes and I'd be like Mahomes, Rashi Rice, Travis Kelsey stacks. I don't really know how often I just want to go with the full out one-off Travis Kelsey in a spot like this. I think I'd rather pay down to Laporta and just get like Laporta has the ceiling too. I'm not saying he's Travis Kelsey, but he's had some really good games, some tournament winning games more than Kelsey this year. Uh, I I don't mind going down a little bit to to Laporta, maybe even a Hawkinson, but Hawkinson's tough because Jefferson's back. So I probably don't do that. But Laporta would probably be my just cheaper pivot there. Okay. I I kind of am on board with you. This is the this is the weirdest, most trepidatious I've ever been with Travis Kelsey. Um I was that way. I like him, by the this. way. I just want him, I want him with Mahomes. Right. Uh, that makes sense. I think as a one-off, it's it's weird to say that because there's so many slates last season that I know. Travis Kelsey would be my highest on player, and I just never took Mahomes along for the ride. But Sam Agreed. Laporta, sixty one hundred. Yeah. I think if we're going to have this ownership maintain, uh, the target share is just ridiculous. He's he is very very good at football. Came out of tight end U Iowa, which is hilarious. They can't move a football against anybody anymore. Uh, George Kittle, Iowa boy, a lot of lot of Iowa tight ends in the NFL that are just absolutely smashing. But George Kittle. He's pulling the ownership. I get it. 28th against the position are the Seattle Seahawks, but I think I like the Laporta side. I kind of like the Hawkinson side. I think Justin Jefferson might help other pieces get open. I think you can kind of key in on Addison Hawkinson, especially with Dobbs and his limited utility when it comes to throwing the football. He had been keying in on Hawkinson and now adding Jefferson to the fray. Yeah, you maybe see a downgrade slightly, but I, I bet some of those targets become a little bit more valuable. Again, just kind of thinking about that from a that, that's that's harder in the data to to really go out and express, considering we've never seen this situation where it was Dobbs plus Jefferson plus everybody else. It's the first time, so I think you can roll the dice maybe on a little bit of Hawk at two point two percent. But Cole Komet forty three hundred would be my highest own, highest owned tight end right now. I'm just so on board with the fields. Um, the Cole Komet, the DJ Moore. I mean, this is just a stack that I feel like Ben Raza this week. It's going to be, it's going to be a lot of bears and David Montgomery and Amon Ross St. Brown. This is just a game environment that so long as the weather holds, I just find myself getting to. I'm with you, man. And just to, to, to clarify, when I'm talking about Mahomes and, and Kelsey, sure you can one off. I'm not saying you can't, but it feels like the only time Mahomes has good games is if Kelsey also has a good game at this yeah. point. So and, I, 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 oh no, go ahead. Go ahead. And I don't want to say it's the inverse is correct too, that Kelsey can only have good games if Mahomes has good games, but it's just more and more we're seeing like when the Chiefs put up these 17 or 19 or 21 point performances, like you kind of just don't want any of the expensive guys. So I would just be playing this for an outburst, off, an offensive outburst. That's what I'm saying. Gotcha. I'm, I think Sky Moore is probably like if you had to pick a third pass catcher that isn't Kelsey or Rice, is it Sky Moore at this point? I don't know, dude. I, I bet under 20 or under 19 and a half yards on Sky Moore last game and hit easily. Uh, <laughs> free money. <laughs> Nicely the, done. The, the pro- yeah. Well, the problem is he's just running sprints at this point. Like he's out there, but there's, you, you know, the last time he has. More than three targets is week six. The good lord. Since week four, two, two, four, three, 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 two, three, two. He's minimum salary, but that's literally the only thing that matters. 
That's it. Like that's the only way you get there. I'm not looking at the snapshot. I just know I saw a lot more Richie James than I expected last week. Yeah, true. I, I saw probably... his name on a jersey on the field, which shouldn't be the case, but it it was. Actually, it should be the case based on what we've seen from Sky Moore, so that's fair. I feel like I'd almost just go Justin Watson, but I don't want any of them. I, I yeah. It's Rice for me and Kelsey. I, I don't I don't think on an 11 gamer I'm even going to take chances. Okay, that's fair. Maybe 48 maybe... and a half total. Just wanted to talk through it for a second. For sure. Uh, no, no. I I get it, dude. Uh yeah. we'll move this forward. Any other tight ends to touch on? I already mentioned likely I think he's fine. Laporta at 3%. Don't hate it. Uh, Kelsey, again, it's it's Travis Kelsey, but is it Travis Kelsey? That's the question. Yeah. I, I have one disgusting play, and this is just me thinking out loud, where you have a 32.5 total in Houston and, and the Jets, and Brevin Jordan played pretty well, and now I think you're you're it's a dicey situation for Houston. Tank Dell had been so much of that offense and had been – unbelievable you called him coming into the season it was really sad to see him get dinged up and out for the out for the year now but they should be going to 12 and if Dalton Schultz is going to be back I don't completely hate the idea of maybe the low own pivot off of Kate Otten pulling what 6.3 percent ownership that's not a lot Conklin's pulling quite a bit of ownership too for somebody who's dinged up but Brevin Jordan I think this is a second straight week right I think he showed a little bit of something he had a little bit of burst there for Houston and I bet they go to more 12 in the absence of Tank Dell. So, you know, I, I threw out a 0.3% Alec Pierce from the clouds. How about a 0.5? Well, it has a zero next to his name right now. Brevin Jordan. I know we haven't projected for two, but this is just like a philosophical change based on personnel. I bet they go to more 12 going forward. It would make sense, wouldn't it? It would definitely make sense. Um, I guess the only question is, do they trust they trust Nico Collins clearly. Yes. We've also seen Noah Brown take on a much larger workload when one of Collins or Dell or or Woods is out. So who who do you who do you think um is it just Woods that sees less and it's yeah, Noah Woods, Brown and Collins on the field? Get Woods off the field. John Mechie, yeah. they really don't want on the field all that much. I don't know what happened to him post Alabama, other than you know, obviously he had the health stuff from last year and uh, it just hasn't worked out for him. And then Xavier Hutchinson, Iowa State guy, they don't want to put him on the field either. I think you're looking at more 12 going forward. This is just an absolutely from the clouds kind of a call. But he is he looked legitimately good against Denver. He could have had a much bigger game. That one target could have gone for the touchdown. Uh, he had a catch that could have gone for a touchdown if he got around the edge. And we could be looking at him with a different uh, set of eyes. But again, this is, I- I'm not saying that, you need to go out of your way to do it. Do they have Dalton Schultz coming off a hamstring, even play 100% of snaps? I doubt it. There's there's paths, I think, for somebody who I think looked much better than I anticipated. I played a ton of him because he was 2,500. I didn't know jack shit about him, but after digging in and then watching him in that game, I got to say, he he impressed me. If he impressed Houston as well, you're missing Tank Dell. You need short yardage situations against the Jets. Brevin Jordan isn't crazy. All right. Enough Again. about Brevin Jordan. Sorry. I get no, that's a look. That's why we're here, right? This yeah. is what we're doing, man. This is what we love doing and talking yeah. about. Jordan, did you run Sims by any chance? Okay. <laughs> that's a delay. Looking no. at the top stacks tool. By the way, all of our tools, guys, uh, whether you're looking to get in on the Sims, you already know. Million dollar winner a few weeks ago with the Sims. 
multiple six-figure winners using the Sims, it's a game changer for sure. Doesn't mean you can't put your own thoughts into it, but it's a game changer tool for sure. Link in the description to all of that. You'll see it down there, whether it's the uh whether it's the stochastic Sims Max monthly or data plus Sims, that one's cheaper, or the lineup generator, which is also an incredible tool where you're able to take you're, you're, you can swap players and lock players, but all of the Sims are being run behind the scenes. You're getting lineups spit out to you. You see what the optimal projections are, how chalky it is, um, how it projects. You're trying to find the lineups you love. You can set your stack type in showdown. You can even adjust projections based on how you think the game's going to go. Like tonight, you think the game's going to go well over 30 and everyone else is going to play it for under and like a horrible game. You can adjust that and get lineups built that way and then save the ones you love discard the ones you don't export them straight to csv for wherever it is you play um on top of that too after you save the lineups you like you can see all of your stack exposures all of your lineups all your player exposures so whether it's the sims tool and all of our ownership player projections top stacks boom bust or you just want to get in at a lower price point maybe you're not playing as much money each week but you still want something to help you be better lineup generators down there too and if you ever have any questions about any of this Hit me up on Twitter at Lafayette underscore D. My DMs are open. I'm happy to walk you through anything. If you're new to the whole tools process, we got you. And plenty of tutorials as well. But using our top stacks tool to look at this, top stack probability, Eric, is still the highest for the Chiefs this week, followed by the Niners and Chargers, and then a drop off to the Bills and Lions. Yeah, Kansas City, that'll make your butthole pucker. I mean, it's uh, yeah, it will. Really not was. enjoyable. <laughs> it's Kansas City barbecue, uh, the after effects. But I I get it. Buffalo's defense without Tredavious White has been just uh, seem, seemingly worse and worse every single week. They've ran into some bad luck, too. They should be an eight and four type football team, and they are not. Um, but this is this is a spot for Kansas City where they have a prove it and Buffalo has a prove it. It's going to be an awesome game to watch. I will say, though, I don't know how you get away from Brock Purdy in San Francisco against Seattle. When we just saw what we saw against Detroit or sorry, against uh, Dallas, absolute shootout, the best Thursday night football game, maybe of the millennium. And I think we've got to just go ride the hot hand with this. I mean, the Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, it's going to be frustrating because there are some weeks that it's not going to be this guy and it'll be another guy. But you just kind of rotate them through. Don't even sleep on Juwan Jennings, who was on the field a lot more being involved in the passing game. So I'm. I'm just all aboard the San Francisco train. It's been, it's been fruitful here the last couple of weeks. I'm worried you see crazy ownership in small field for Brock Purdy, and I'll probably have to get away from it. But out of the popular stacks, that's the one I feel by far the best about. Uh, yeah. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I'm so tempted to just stack the bills too, because like this is do or die for them, man. This is it. This is it. Chiefs could still lose this game and win the division easily, but, um, and then the lions, I mean, what if this game, what if this game shoots out? What if the weather is not nearly as bad as we thought? What if it's Jack not Nicholson. pouring rain? You know, what if the wind settles down, but everyone's still like, man, Jared Goff outside, not in a dome, not in warm weather. And then you're, you're like, Oh, Jared Goff, I'm on Russ St. Brown, Sam Laporta. That looks nice. So maybe I, I think I'll probably have more one-offs, but it is interesting. And I, the whole Justin Fields, DJ Moore stack, God, that's appealing. Like just straight single stack, 
you want to throw Komet in there, I'm not hating you for it, but Fields has that rushing upside. Justin Fields, DJ Moore stands out to me. We are so on the same page with that. I mean, it's going to be a lot. I will say Justin Fields is going to be pretty popular as a quarterback. Yes. I doubt, I doubt that you're getting any kind of contrarianism there, but there's no doubt just pairing him with DJ Moore immediately, the the guy that he would achieve all of that upside with, automatic differentiator. And uh it's it's just a spot that I'm going to die. I'm probably going to die with now. Yeah, that's definitely going to be something you and I are way, 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 way overweight to. We'll also say Tampa Bay up there, 5% top stack percentage. Enough can't be said about Mike Evans. I think Trey Palmer probably ends up being the guy that I want to run it back with the most, find some salary savings. We didn't talk about a lot of cheap wide receivers, but I think Jonathan Mingo will continue to get steamed up. Justin Watson, because of the game environment, might. But otherwise, down here at the low end, I think you're looking at Trey Palmer potentially being the most popular here. If Rashad Bateman sits out, I, I bet he plays. But lots of ways that uh, I think you can get a little bit different with Tampa, but specifically the Baker Mayfield, Mike Evans. Hard to say that that hasn't been a fruitful stack as well. One more question before we we're going to build a we're going to take like two minutes and we're just going to rotate and build a lineup. It'll be fun. Let's do it. Before we do that, one more guy I got to ask you about. By the way, we have some, our top stacks tool has like our top stack rating. It also has the quarterback ownership, top stack probability, highest owned quarterback, all of that stuff to give you an idea of like relative to ownership to the field, what these top stacks are taking projections, ownership, salary. Uh, And there's one that is very cheap. That is very cheap at quarterback specifically. Would you consider any Jake Browning stacks after seeing Monday night football? No. Okay. Would you? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Uh, uh, that was that was outrageous. It was, and I don't anticipate that continuing, but I probably just have more one-off Jamar Chase, one-off Joe Mixon type lineups. I don't know if I want to stack it. Same. I would consider, Ben and I talked about this, I would consider stacking, let's say the weather clears up. We have to preface everything with that because there's a lot Correct. of bad weather forecasts that can change. On Tuesday, the Detroit forecast looked unbearable, and now it doesn't even look that bad. So things happen. I would consider stacking Joe Flacco with Njoku and Elijah Moore and then I just loading up everywhere else. I will obviously be paying attention to Amari Cooper's status for that, but I'm with you. I think that, I mean, Joe Flacco is 4,700. It's uh I thought he looked good. I, I do think it's different playing in LA in a dome going to Cleveland here, but Jacksonville's defense, I think that's more of the indictment of what I had for, uh, that's what I learned from Jake Browning is that this Jacksonville defense is not good. They've given up so many ridiculous performances against every competent team all season long. They are getting a pass for no reason. This team is much better. They've been running so, so good in terms of variance. And uh, I, I think that in this spot specifically, uh, 30 and a half total that's all because of weather i don't completely hate just saving the money and just getting to the mccaffrey's and the the keenan allen's of the world yeah man let's build a lineup let's do it all right all right uh you go, you first. go first you you lay the foundation if you will what's the stack we're going to oh uh, yeah i was gonna say like if we're gonna do this we have to this is fun we should have been doing this all year long yep if we're gonna all right Let's go. I'm trying to see. I know there's a couple spots where you and I are on the same page. 
why don't I do this? Why don't I just start it off with Fields more? Yep. Cool with that? See how it turns out? Makes me happy. And I want to run it back with Amon Ra in that. <clears throat> oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. All right. Amon Ra, St. Brown. Uh, I, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to throw Zach Moss in here. I, I still think he's just a superb play at sub 6K. I have no problem with that whatsoever. If the slate started now, he'd be my highest owned player. So it is what it is. Oh, man. I guess let's go to let's let's save a little bit of money here in the wide receiver spot. I think I mean, it feels like such a chalk donkey move. We didn't talk about him, but Jackson Smith and Jigba at 4,100 against San Francisco. It's a game that we expect them to be behind. Came off of 11 targets against Dallas, being on the field more and more and more as his rookie seasons progressed. We got to save some money somewhere. So 4,100 Jackson Smith and Jigba. Okay. All right. Sorry, let me knock that out. Okay, so JSM, <laughs> I was yeah. responding to something in Slack. Okay. All right, JSM. We'll go. Let me see if I can. We got. Can we just throw a cheap? Let's just. This won't be either of our picks. Let's throw a cheap defense in to see what it what it gives us, what it affords us. Yeah, I mean, weather is a big deal. I mean, the Rams against Baltimore does is no, it wouldn't no see way that I'm insane. Doing that. Okay, then Jets against uh, Houston. Yeah, like we could do. Yeah, bad weather. No Tank yep. Dell. Maybe no Dalton Schultz. Okay, yep. fifty two hundred. Not bad. And we have more. We have St. Brown. Are there any cheap running backs that we could go to and then get one of those other like 7K wide receivers in the flex? Chuba Hubbard. Okay. All right. Let's go Chuba Hubbard then. Is it possible to go like a 7K wide receiver? That that see nope, because we're then we're well, how much is your boy Brevin Jordan? Never mind. He's thirty one hundred. That won't work. If he was twenty five, yeah. I'd be like, "Oh, we got our guy. We got our seven K Alave. We're just gonna slam dunk this lineup and uh, split it." I mean, I don't hate the idea of like having Brandon Ayuk in that same game environment and then having thirty one hundred for. I mean, Kate Otten's the better play between the two as it stands. Like, I think Kate Otten's a much better play than Brevin Jordan, but Brevin Jordan's gonna be like point one percent owned, so I think that's the difference for sure. And also, you know, you could do some weird stuff with a double run back on Sam Laporta. And uh, no, I was going to say Elijah Moore, but we wouldn't have enough. So wait, if we went Kate Otten, Mm -hmm. then like you said here, oh, that's not a bad range, actually. You could, I'm not even opposed to Josh Jacobs with a three running back lineup here. Same. I think that's a really good one. I think him, Ayuk, you have a little bit of late swap ability there, um, you know, with the Seattle and the, and the Vegas, San Francisco, you have a range where you have a target-rich environment. Metcalf, Samuel, Ayuk, Jacobs. You should be able to play ownership coming into that afternoon window, and that's something I talk about all the time. I like it. I dig it. Let's do it. And and then if you went a little bit further down on defense, I don't think Chiefs are crazy because Josh Allen makes mistakes. You know, um, then just assuming you wanted to do that and like full-out punt defense – then you're looking at what three hundred dollars extra salary you could get to uh, Alave. I don't know if it does enough. You can't get to Pittman, Kyron. You can't get to those guys. So Jets defense seems to make the most sense. Not bad for a back and forth build in two minutes. 
I like it. Uh, we could do things where we go to Jonathan Mingo, 3,500. He's somebody who I think ends up being po- popular, but like that opens up the whole 7K range to you. But I will say, if the weather holds in Chicago, this field's more stack. Uh, best of luck to us. Best of luck to us. Damn right, man. Yeah, if you went Mingo, you could flex in. Eh, it doesn't get you to a lot of guys. Well, yeah, if you went cheaper. Plus, we'd have Mingo Ch- Chuba Hubbard. I don't want two guys from the Carolina Panthers, I don't think. Are you sure? I don't know if I want. I don't know, dude. It's hard to spread. It's hard to get there when hey, you're scoring. So then points. let's go Mingo. You could go Hubbard and you could turn him into Mixon. Ooh. And then you have the 7K to get to your boy Olave. Now we have a Mingo Olave. That doesn't look bad, man. That doesn't look bad at all. Fun stuff. Hey, appreciate you guys hanging out. Follow Eric at Eric Linguist. Check all his workout on Odd Shopper as well. Uh, mine as well. We got my picks for every game video out yesterday. Back from paternity leave. We're cooking again, baby. Got my Thursday night 30-point total game picks out today with an anytime touchdown score. If there is one, Eric's will be out tomorrow. Picks for every game. And his NBA picks every single day are out. So, Odd Shopper, man, if you guys aren't there yet, you like betting, you like the pick sites, come join us. Um, anything else before we go? No, just great to have you back, my guy. Uh, yeah, glad everything's going well with the fam. And uh, just, uh, yeah, it was lonely here without you. Well, I know you held it down well. We'll see you back here for the next one. Peace.